They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Well, Joe, here we are. It is Holy Week. Holy Week, a perfect time for a pastor to podcast. Absolutely. It's a good distraction (laughs) from actually getting all these sermons written. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jeff, I can't believe it. It has been uh, quite a Lent. Uh, I, you know, not the Lent that I expected it to be, but uh, I really, truly enjoyed the series that we put together for Lent. Got a lot of great response from my congregational members. You know, our theme uh, for those who might be new to our podcast was Why Lent? And we asked the question for the different spiritual practices that we typically do during this time of year. Why do we do it? Why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we fast? Uh, Why do we trust? And we explored those ideas, and I really personally got a lot out of it being able to reflect about that and sharing that with my congregation. How about you? Yeah, I really liked it too, and also had some good feedback. I think uh, in the midst of so many things happening in our world around us, and uh, you know, we talk about those things a lot uh, as, as churches or try to engage them a little bit, always, I think with maybe a little trepidation because people have a lot of different viewpoints on those things. But I think just kind of reclaiming a centeredness in who we are and what we're about and what we're, what we're called to do and how that plays out as we live our lives of faith together and in the world. I, it it was helpful. It was a nice kind of reframing for me anyway, as I think about uh, all these other things that we uh, are working on and and deal with in the world in which we live and and are called to witness to, for sure. And I went back actually to listen to our pre-Lent podcast just to see some of the things that we were talking about and uh, kind of chuckled a little bit because I had all these uh, glorious expectations for myself for Lent. And one of those things we did talk about and something that you did last year, and I thought, maybe I should do that this year, was the 40 bag challenge. Uh, Clean out 40 bags or boxes of items from your house or your office. And I thought, you know, I really do need to declutter and get rid of some stuff. But you know what? That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) So you decluttered your decluttering system. That's right. I I had to declutter before. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. But it was... uh, it definitely didn't happen, and, and like I said, my Lent didn't turn out the way I expected, but it was a good, you know, the last 40 days or so has been good. It has a lot of unexpected things happened in both of our lives, and so I, I think that it has been a good time, not the time that we thought it was going to be, but here we are on the verge of Easter, one of my favorite times of the year. Yeah, me too. I shared this in one of those podcasts that I was doing an intermittent fast, which was basically you only eat during an eight-hour period during the day. Yep. And uh, I stuck with it. I I did fail often because of just schedule. Is It's so hard. When you've got dinners and stuff at night you need to go to, and uh, you are an early bird like myself who gets up between five and six and just trying to figure out what that eight-hour block would look like. I mean, a lot of times I wasn't eating until 11 or 12, and I was getting pretty cranky having been up that long. Yeah. 
uh, before having anything to eat. And just uh, at the same time, I, I found that it was a good just reminder, you know. So, you know, the whole 40 days in the wilderness thing. So I'm glad that to have made it through it. I uh, saw my eating coach this morning and we both decided it was a good day to end that intermittent fast. So I had breakfast at a regular hour today. And uh, I'm happier. So it's good. That's good. That's good. But yes, I too, I'm looking forward to uh, everything that's going on this Holy Week. I'm looking forward to Easter and uh, the celebration that that involves, both at home and and at church, and uh, just just what that means. So I thought maybe today we could just talk a little bit about everything that we've got going on and some themes, perhaps, as we engage what a mentor once called the center of time this Holy Week. Uh, as we as we journey through it this year. So often, we don't always record, but so often you and I do just kind of talk about the upcoming Sunday and, and what's happening and, and different preaching directions we might go. I, I think a lot of preachers at this point have some sort of direction or are fleshing that out in the next 24 hours or so before Monday, Thursday. Uh, but I was looking at the text. I was praying about what I wanted to say. I, I, I personally like to have some sort of theme between the three days that I preach, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. A couple of years ago, I took a character from each story and talked in the first person of that character's point of view. So Thursday was uh, Peter, and what, was, what could I imagine Peter thinking and feeling during uh, the foot washing, during the Last Supper? Uh, the Roman centurion on Friday uh, at the end, when, when we hear the words, truly this was a son of God, and, and what led him to that point? What were some of the, the thoughts that he had, the feelings, the uh, experiences that he had? And, and we really don't know from the Bible you know, what that was, but I, I took a little liberty in, in, in that. And then uh, on Easter Sunday, it was Mary, uh, when Mary saw Jesus for the first time and and how how did that all play out? You know, just kind of playing with that a little bit. Um, but this year, with a lot of the things that I see happening in our world, things that I'm experiencing, things that I see in social media or Facebook, uh, especially a conversation that we've had a lot uh, as as a country, as a community, uh, surrounding gun violence in our schools. I'm I'm really taking this idea of love, looking at aspects of love in the texts. I've chosen three different texts, including the one that is typically read on Monday, Thursday, uh, love one another as I have loved you, uh, the love that Jesus showed his disciples in washing the feet, uh, the love that was poured out in the last meal together. That is the, the focus for, for my preaching on Monday, Thursday. Uh, Good Friday, the, the love and the sacrifice, and what does, what does sacrifice mean uh, when we talk about love, and, and why do we have to sacrifice? Why, why do we have to give of ourselves in order to show someone else love? That's going to be central to my preaching on Friday. And then on Sunday is going to be love, but not the love necessarily from Jesus, but the love from God. I mean, that all ties in together, but primarily God's love. Why did, why did God do what God had to do in, in, over the three days. How, how did that love come through to us, and, and why does God love us so much? I mean, that is the Easter message of, of God loving us. So 
So that's kind of a, a sense of an overall sense of, of where I'm going um, this holy week. I am one of those people that will be um, figuring out what I'm doing in the next 24 hours <laughs> that you uh, mentioned. Yep. Uh, but something I've been reflecting on and uh, have been writing up for our uh, our little weekly Sunday is coming piece is uh, I love, and you mentioned it, I love the centurion at the foot of the cross saying, truly this is God's son, or truly this was the son of God, depending on what translation you read. Because I think it, it's a bold proclamation in a lot of ways. It uh, it kind of echoes through. So it, it, it comes through first from this, uh, the hand of the oppressor, right? He, I mean, he's the Roman yep. soldier. Uh, the one who's who's a, probably, I'm guessing, kind of supervising this execution. So he's he's delivering death to Jesus, and yet he's the one, this outsider, kind of an outlier to the whole story, who makes the proclamation. And I think that you can then, I don't know, read that throughout. So it's something that we can hold on to, that truly this is God's Son when we look at the cross for ourselves when we're uh, in the early days on Thursday, uh, thinking about it being the night in which he was betrayed, the night when uh, Peter denied him, the night when everybody ran away, that that still this is truly God's son in the midst of our inability to be faithful. Uh, and uh, Easter, you know, when they run away in terror and amazement, as uh, Mark shares in his gospel telling, I don't know. I feel like for me anyway, that, that line, truly this is God's son or truly this is the son of God rings behind that. So maybe they haven't discovered it yet for themselves, but they soon will because the story obviously continues beyond their fear and amazement. They, they run out and uh, you're led to believe anyway that they, uh, they will share it with the others. Otherwise we wouldn't be here listening to it ourselves. So, right, right. Just to dive into the centurion a little bit, because I did look up and did a lot of research on the Roman centurions and, and how they got to the position that they, they got to and kind of their attitudes and, and just, you know, from a historical perspective, what were they all about? And these guys who, who did this, I mean, they, they witnessed death, and that was their job is to, to kill and to, they, they weren't great guys. So when we, read and, and about the change of heart that this this guy had is it, truly amazing. I mean, he would have been the, the meanest, gruffest uh, dude that you would ever come across. And, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't have cared about what was happening. He just knew his job was to make sure these three guys who were on, hanging on the cross uh, were, were going to be dead. But it was the experience of Jesus on the cross uh, the words that he spoke from the cross, the, the people around him, uh, something got to him. And if something got to this guy who had a change of heart, who saw Jesus for who he truly was, if, if that can happen to this Roman centurion, then really it could happen to anyone. Uh, anyone who experiences uh, the gospel in, in a significant way can have a change of heart can be drawn into this message that we deeply share with the world around us. It's just a, an amazing, amazing uh, process, an amazing story. Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, 
great surprises of the gospel is that it often is the thing that connects with the people you'd least likely expect it to. Right. I mean, it's not—I think we struggle with this in the church because we— Mostly, I shouldn't say all entirely, but we a lot of the people in our churches, including you and I, are are insiders. I mean, we we get it. We know what church is about. We like it. We feel connected to it. We see its importance in the world. But its message is for the people that are on the outside. Actually, I think when you can witness that for yourself happening, if not uh, in the Bible stories, also within our lives, when you see somebody who is a bit of an outlier, all of a sudden have this aha moment and, and come to want to be a part of it, it. It's an amazing thing. And I think Easter is that story. Yep. So, so maybe let's, let's go and just maybe break down each day. You know, we've kind of given an overview and some initial thoughts, but let's break down each day and, and maybe talk about the services that we have planned. I know, uh, you know, we're doing a little bit of different stuff between our own congregations and maybe yep. it'll inspire some, some other people. So let's start, first start with, with Monday, Thursday. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing for Monday, Thursday. We do a little bit of a different service. I really like it. Uh, my only thing that I don't like about it, honestly, is we are more of a Good Friday congregation, so we have a much better turnout on Good Friday. So I'd, I'd love it if we had more folks engage with this on Thursday, but it's probably one of my favorite days of the year. Um, what we have is it begins with a opening prayer, one reading, and a reflection, so a kind of a short sermon. And then the majority of the time is spent with these interactive areas that we have set up throughout the church. So there's uh, a place where you can kind of contemplate the cross. There's a place where you can receive prayers for healing. There's a place where you can uh, light a candle in remembrance of someone. A place where you can uh, write cards uh, either to God or to people. We have a thank you station this year that's new. I set up a little table with post-it notes and a big poster board so you can write things you're thankful for. And a drawing station so people can draw whatever they want. So a couple of years ago, we had uh, one of our young people. She drew a very, I thought, thought-provoking picture of the, the cross and uh, gave it to me. And so I saved it. And normally what we do for that little contemplation area is we have an icon in the office that we put out there, but our offices are currently under construction. I couldn't find that. So I just pulled that picture out and put it there against the uh, remainder of the palm branches we had left over from Palm Sunday. Oh, nice. So, so, so her work actually gets to get incorporated into what we're doing Thursday. So we do that for a while, let people move around. We also have a foot washing station uh, too. So I just give people time to interact with what they want to. You, it's a choice, so you don't have to do everything, but you you can do whatever you want. And then when it kind of feels like people are done, then we gather, and then we uh, gather around the altar, share communion, do the stripping of the altar, and uh, go home. So it's a way to kind of incorporate a few different ideas into that day. Not this year, but other year. I think the year I introduced it, I used the reading of uh, them praying in the garden yep. kind of before he was arrested um, as kind of the, the entryway into it. Uh, this year I'm reading uh, Mark's 
last supper account and it ending with, you know, I wouldn't deny you what I, and, and Jesus telling Peter, you will. So I'm going to instruct people to kind of think about our own place in that and how we drift away from God and Jesus and from each other and, and how we can be reconnected through what God does. So that's, that's kind of the theme for Thursday and how we're going to do that. How about you? We have a more traditional uh, Monday, Thursday service, so it's, it's a regular service format. We do incorporate uh, foot washing, but also hand washing, and I would say half of the people who come on Monday, Thursday go to the foot washing, and about half go to the hand washing. So I want to make it accessible for everyone. I know a uh, number of people who don't necessarily like to have their feet touch in that way or, or to touch other people's feet, so I want to make that accessible for folks. Uh, we do have, celebrate the communion during that service, and we get a decent amount of people. I think we, we get about the same amount of people, a lot of the same people that come out for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I really want to focus on the idea of love for this service. And in the next 24 hours, as I prepare my sermon, you know, I have kind of a semi-outline written down, but... I want to see if there's anything else that I could do during the service that can really highlight that. And I, I do like the interactive stuff that you are doing, and, and I don't think I'll be able to incorporate any of that. But if I can, I, I want to maybe try to think about that as well. Because um, while people are up, you know, if there's something else that they maybe can engage with, I think that would be a really neat thing. I, I, I like the post-it um, idea, the thank yous. Yeah, that was new um, this year. We came up with so that So maybe if there's year. something. Yeah. One of the reasons we started doing the different areas was um, just be, exactly as you outlined. Some people really like foot washing and some people really don't. And uh, it, we started it as a way to not force the issue, but just make it one one thing you could do among many. So if you want to do it, great. Yep. And if you yep. don't want to do it, you don't have to. Um, there's other stuff you can connect with. And then we just tried to find different things that might be might be helpful. So nice, nice, nice. It's, uh, it's fun. And and I don't know if you really call Holy Week fun, but it, it's fun in the way that we, uh, since we have chairs in our sanctuary and not pews, um, it's all movable. So I take the, the two side aisles and turn those into the areas where the, where those areas are. And, uh, yeah, it, it seems to work. Okay. So while people are uh, up and about, what else is going on in the sanctuary? Is there music played during that time? Is it kind of just silent people go around, or what, what happens? Yeah, we really only sing two hymns that night. and um, But yeah, he Al, our musician, he, he just kind of plays in the background. So there's kind of traveling music while people move around. And what I've also discovered is um, people might not want to use the whole time, but just go back to their seat and sit with their eyes closed and just listen. And they do that too. Yep. So that's, yep. it's kind of an unwritten eighth station. We have seven stations this year. Okay. So we've, we're trying to call it something else other than stations. I've been trying to use the word interactive areas because when you say stations, people think, oh, stations are the cross. I'd love to do that, but we're not, that's not what we're doing. Right, but, right, right. So what about Good Friday? I, I know that I have two services that day. The first one is around noontime, and that is an ecumenical service. So I think there are five other churches in the Gardner area that are going to be participating in that, and basically that is going to be readings 
songs kind of uh it's, it's a very laid back service uh really inclusive of a lot of different faith traditions in that service so uh, i'll be doing that at noon and then uh, we'll have our own good friday service here at the church and i have taken the format the last couple of years of again uh, reading a part of the passion and then choosing a hymn that kind of coincides with that reading for the story so the tenebrae kind of tenebrae kind of thing yeah yeah we also do tenebrae for our evening service on good friday and uh like i said it's it's well attended um, I have the chairs still set up the way they are from Thursday, so there's actually less seating, so it actually feels more full, which is kind of nice, because it's not like a Palm Sunday crowd on Good Friday, but it's a, it's it's still a pretty decent turnout. And then we have, uh, it's really kind of a traditional tenebrae, so it's uh, St. John Passion intermixed with hymns and pieces by the choir, and since our primary instrument is piano, we also have uh, a cellist that joins us, and it's uh, it's it's very nice. And then we do the, I think in the ELW, it's got a um, prayers at the cross or whatever it's called. The bidding prayers. The bidding prayers. We do that. Somebody once the tenebrae is over, somebody carries the cross in, and then we do the bidding prayers, and then people have. Uh, space and time we leave at the end if they want to come up by the cross for a time to pray and people participate in that too. Yeah. And then again, we walk out in silence and uh, then I lock up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the evening. Uh, during the daytime, we have something that we call a Christ walk, which is basically like stations of the cross, except we have a portable cross that we take around town. Oh, okay. So there's maybe about a dozen people we gather around noon-ish, and then we uh, leave from the church and we walk down to Main Street and back. And there are, I, th- I don't remember how many, seven, seven or ten different stations, places we stop, pray, read part of the story. It's kind of an amalgamation of the Gospels rather than Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Yep. Kind of puts them, puts them all together. And then uh, we come back, and at least the last couple of years, we've had lunch afterwards, oh, okay. but, um, which has been kind of nice, too, just to kind of do that. Now, in other churches, I haven't done it here yet, but in other churches, uh, I've also done, or, or Tammy has done, a, a Good Friday retreat with kids. Um, I started doing that years ago when I realized we didn't have um, any learning time on Palm Sunday or on Easter, and those are pretty big important days. Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> and thought usually kids have Good Friday off, they're not in school, so why not do like a mini kind of vacation bible camp kind of thing in one day. And so I've done we did that for a number of years and that was uh it was great. You know, started small, grew in in the two churches I do it I I did it in, but you know, a w- different way to engage the story, especially with young people. Sometimes I'd have them do like a live passion play at the end or we we do kind of a fun way to present it to parents at the end. And uh, we were going to do it this year, but we had some family stuff come up that we just had to kind of put the kibosh on it. But uh, we'll probably do that next year. It's, it's a good it's a good way to bring those families in, especially because the night services get late yep. with kids. Yep. I've uh, done a couple of different things on Good Friday. I've, I've had a, a time when the, the church was open for people to come in and pray. And actually, one church uh, 
I was at, we had a continuous prayer throughout Good Friday. Mm. Uh, so people signed up for times to come into the sanctuary, and they would either they would either pray uh, during that time. They'd read the Bible. They'd bring other something just to reflect what happened on Good Friday, and, and just kind of make it a little more personal for for them. So that was uh, always a, a neat thing. But I, I do like the idea of doing some sort of you know one day learning event for for kids because you're right. They do most schools don't have classes that day, so that would be a good opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, like anything, it takes, it requires some planning and time and people power to do it. I've found it to be meaningful and, and good, good, a good thing to do. Great way yeah. to connect. Now, I don't serve a congregation that does an Easter vigil, but I know a lot of people really enjoy that service where you hear all of the Old Testament readings of kind of salvation story, and then you really kind of bring Easter in late when it's dark out and bring the fire in and share communion and get it rolling. You've done Easter vigils, right? I have. The the last three years, we've had an Easter vigil here at the church. Um, The first two years, I had um, baptisms during the Easter vigil. So uh, tradition is to uh, Lent has been a a time for a baptismal preparation. So that was a really neat thing. The first year we had four baptisms. The second year we had two. Uh, last year we did have one person who was going to be baptized, but uh, something came up family-wise, and we ended up not having that. And <laughs> let me tell you, when you don't have a baptism, at least in our congregation, on the Easter vigil service, uh, attendance goes way down. So it kind of lost something, and again, we didn't have any baptism schedule for this year, so I opted not to do it. But one of the really neat things is, uh, and and you can do it in, in a number of different ways, especially that first year where we had four baptisms. For an Easter vigil service, you you basically read through stories throughout the Bible, and, and there are, I don't know how many uh, that... that if you're doing a full visual service, you know, it's like be, a dozen, right? I yeah, know. like I was going to say, ten to twelve stories. I picked five stories, and they were all interactive because uh, I knew that there was going to be a lot of kids at that service. So, uh, one of them, you know, one of the stories we talked about was Noah's Ark. So I had a bunch of stuffed animals around the baptismal font, and we talked about Noah's Ark and the animals there and, and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, one was t- the story of uh, the Israelites following the the fire and the smoke and uh, as they were leaving uh, Egypt. So uh, we had kind of a station where they create, uh, they colored on that, as I told the story, you know, fire and, and people walking. And it was really, really a, a neat experience to, to be able to do that. It's, it is one of my favorite uh, services throughout the year. Uh, but again, yeah, it takes a lot of work and uh, unfortunately, unless there's something special going on for many congregations, you don't really get a lot of people to come out to that service. How about Easter? What's that look like for you? We have our regular two services on Easter Sunday. Uh, no Sunday school or things between the services uh, for that Sunday. Uh, a lot of people are doing their own thing. So like I was saying earlier, I'm following the theme of love and focusing on God's love for us and how each Sunday, you know, is kind of a mini Easter celebration and we celebrate God's love for us. And And I'm going to be reading through the, the Gospel of Mark this year, so that's going to be uh, a focus for Easter Sunday. 
Yeah, this will be our third year working with uh, another congregation in town, uh, First Church Congregational. We do a, a joint uh, sunrise service on the beach at 6.30 in the morning, which is, it's really nice. We usually have about 100 people there, and it's people kind of in their pajamas and blue jeans kind of a thing. Yep. And um, it's it's shortened up, so there's really just the gospel reading. Again, I'm, I'm using Mark also, and a sermon, and we share communion together and uh, do it with the water in the background, and it's it's kind of a nice gathering. And then when that's over, I go back to church and put my duds on, and I think uh, at least a number of our St. Paul people that go to the the beach service also come to regular service at church so they get all, you know, their Sunday best on for Easter <laughs> in between. <laughs> And uh, come back, and then we have, uh, yeah, 8.30 and 10.45, kind of our normal schedule. But, uh, you know, festive, we'll have trumpet, and it'll be great. And uh, this year we have our new ukulele group that uh, my daughter Mia was help, helped start. So they're playing at the beach and at, uh, I think it, I'm, I think at both services at church, too. But they, they have a, a Alleluia verse that they learned that our musician wrote. Oh, nice! So uh, we're gonna—they're gonna play it at the beach service, and then we're gonna actually use it as the gospel acclamation during the Easter season. So, but they'll—they'll uh, they'll introduce it on Easter Sunday, which will be really fun. That's really neat, and it—it it, it is. Uh, so, do you have anything um, kind of planned for Easter Sunday, since it is also April Fool's Day? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planning, usually the plan is to uh, come home after all three services are done and uh, find my way to a couch and take a little bit of a nap. Yeah, there you go. There you and go. then wake up and, and eat dinner. That's usually kind of what happens. And usually we get <laughs> together with our neighbors next door who we're pretty close with and uh, enjoy the afternoon. So that's kind of the plan. Um, my aunt is coming from uh, down the street. She lives about 40 minutes away, so she'll be with us and... Um, we're going to watch John Legend and uh, the cast of Jesus Christ Superstar on NBC yep. at night and see if yep. that's any good. I haven't been overly impressed with those productions, but I like John Legend, so we'll, I, have, I have hope. Yeah, we uh, don't have any family coming into town this year. Um, we have in the past, so it's just going to be my family. But uh, my, my family is seven right now as we have uh, three foster kids living with us, so um, and it's been interesting to talk to, to them a little bit about Easter. Not all of them um, are churched. Um, and so we really, just on a really basic level, because they're younger kids, just talking about Easter and, and what does it mean and why do we go to church so much this week and how it doesn't really connect with the Easter bunny. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's it's been an interesting experience talking with them about this whole process and the whole story and 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 that sort of thing so it actually brings a, a new little meaning to easter this year for us so we'll we'll have our easter dinner at home and yeah I'll get some rest after all the services but uh but yeah i'm i'm really excited for this week i'm i'm really excited that uh you know easter is finally here and and that we're getting closer and closer to nicer weather and and that sort of thing and I'm also hoping, I don't think it's going to actually happen this week, so it'll probably happen next week or maybe later, but I really wanted to get out and see that new Paul movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, too, at some point. But we'll just kind of have to let that happen when it happens. I think 
time seems at a premium right now <laughs> this week. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I've wanted to see that. I was hoping to go see it this past weekend, but time got away from me. And like you said, I, I'm not sure I'm seeing it this week. But but yeah, that'll be that'll be a great movie to see. Maybe we'll have to make a Two Bald Pastors uh, post-Easter connection and have an Easter movie time, much like yes. we have done as a post-Christmas time. Right. No, yeah, that's a good idea. So I'm still, um, I, you have this great theme of love going. I'm still kind of working on what I'm going to do with Easter. I am I really like the Mark uh, version of Easter because I find it very human. Uh, you have the women who go to the tomb and are, are kind of stuck in their surprise that the, that the tomb is open. And then it ends with them in fear and terror and they're still not quite sure what to do. And I think that's a very human response <laughs> yes, to yes. an amazing thing. And I also, the other theme I've been kind of toying around with is just where is Jesus anyway? So in, in Mark's telling of the story, you don't see the risen Jesus. You know, in, in John, there's that powerful moment between him and Mary, and he calls her by name. And in the other ones, it seems like there's more of an interaction with risen Jesus. They meet him on the road and such, but... Mark, he's just gone. He's not there. He's gone on ahead of them. And uh, I was just trying to think about that a little bit. Where exactly has Jesus gone on to uh, for us to, to join? You know, maybe maybe it's not just getting more people to church on Easter Sunday. Maybe it's about finding Jesus out in the world where he is. So I'm still playing with what I want to do with it. So there's, there's a lot of uh, thought and praying happening around that right now. But it is only early in the week so we're still <laughs> still got plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> well it was still early in the week <laughs> right <laughs> I, th- I think i like that uh, idea too which is why i like mark's uh gospel for um easter like you said ending with the, the fear so often you know we hear the message well you know if you love god if you love jesus if you know your, jesus is in your heart so to speak then everything in your life is going to be great, and you're going to be confident, and you're going to have good fortune, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the way it always works, you know? There, there is that sense of fear. There is that sense of uncertainty. Bad things continue to, to happen, but the, the comfort we have is that we're not alone in that. We're not—God uh, does not abandon us in that. Right, nor are we supposed to linger in that place. Right. The other thing that I've done the last couple of years, I got this from a friend and colleague, uh, Becca Mitiki conlin who, who used to be nearby, now is in uh, Pennsylvania. But she, a few years ago, started reading the gospel at the beginning of the service right away because she had this kind of epiphany of like, why are we singing all these songs? We don't even know what, that he's alive yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So what I've done is split the gospel up. Because if you if you read through them, there's usually it seems like a nice little breaking point of scene. So yep. you know, you go to the tomb at the beginning, and then we sing about it, and then usually it's Jesus appears to them, and then I would preach on that. But uh, since Mark is so short, it seemed harder to do that. So I'm actually reading the Corinthians reading to open. Okay. So we'll see how that uh, is heard and what that how that comes across, but. Uh, I don't know. I love Easter. It's so fun. It is also a day where I need to take allergy medicine because flowers. <laughs> I'm allergic to flowers. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get kind of sneezy, but it's it's all worth it in the end. Right, right, yeah. 
Nice. Well, you know, thank you for taking some time during the busy week to talk about this. And I hope for those who are listening to this, maybe this gives you a little dose of inspiration and expectation for the coming week. And as you go about Holy Week, reflection, celebration, worship, and leading to Easter Sunday. So just to add one thing too, Holy Week is also a great time to invite people. So, I mean, the midweek gatherings usually are smaller, but they're more intimate too. And it's a good way to get people into the story. Um, I mean, obviously not all your friends, neighbors, relatives are Christians, but a lot of them at least know peripherally the story or what it's supposed to be about. And um, it's a good time to invite them into it and just say, hey, why don't you come with me? It might be a, a good experience. And uh, especially Easter, it's usually usually church is full. It's festive. There's lots of good stuff happening. It's, it's a good time to invite someone along. But it's also a good entry point to maybe even just have a conversation if they, if they never come and just say, hey, you know, I was just thinking about you. I think you might want to be a part of this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. It's, it's and sometimes it's, it feels a little awkward to uh, to invite people to church, but this is definitely a good opportunity to be able to do that. And it's not as especially the midweek service is not as overwhelming as it would be on a on a Sunday morning. Um, and and don't and uh, if you're not typically one to go to church, even though a lot of our listeners are churchgoers. Uh, you know, Easter Sunday is always a good opportunity because there are so many people that are visiting. You're not really going to stand out too much exactly. if you're going to be going to church for the first time at a new congregation um, on Easter Sunday. So, and it's it's a joyous occasion. I mean, there's there's really people kind of put their best foot forward on uh, on Easter Sunday. So, yeah, take an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, Easter is about resurrection. It's about new life. It's about a new beginning to take a new step forward. And uh, we can live that out in the here and now just as well as we can the rest of our lives. So take that opportunity. Well, good. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support um, and uh, the feedback that you have given us through this uh, last couple of months as you continue to download our podcast as you enjoy it and hopefully get some stuff out of it. We are the Two Bald Pastors. Uh, Our mission is to help you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinobaldo. We hope you have a blessed Holy Week, a wonderful Easter. Take care and be blessed. Christ is risen. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.